In this episode of Curated Chill, you are going to hear from some of the designers behind the Gallery House of Art and Design in Sag Harbor, New York. Unlike any other show house, this unique experience will bring the pages of Gallery Magazine to life by combining the best of art and design under one roof. The Gallery editorial team handpicked a unique group of talented designers and creatives, as well as some of the world's best galleries, to provide art for this classic shingle-style estate. The team from Ike Kligerman Barclay shared the octagonal salon. This Where the Wild Things Are inspired space takes you on a journey of self-discovery by crafting a meditative, peaceful place with a slightly crafted approach to the work and some twists that will undoubtedly amuse you. Ike Kligerman Barclay is a firm known for distinctive design that is rooted in tradition but unabashedly bold in their modern interpretation. They're a bicoastal firm with offices in New York and San Francisco. The firm's award-winning work is often covered, published, and is often shared as well. This is the team from Ike Kligerman Barclay. How was this project for you? I know that the firm is very collaborative. You know, we've got we've got four designers from your firm who worked on this project. Three of you are here with us today. I would say it evolved, but yes, you know, it turned out the way we wanted to. From from my perspective, it was really fun. It was a we would have these really fun collaborative discussions. That was this really nice break in the day, and you know, it started out. We had this interesting shaped room. The room that we got was an octagonal octagonal room off of the primary bedroom. So um, there were so many spaces in the house to sit, you know, that the program we also felt was open. So we decided really early on that this was an outside room and that, you know, that, that really like set our, our imaginations wild. And we, every time we talked, it would, a new element would be added on, you know, somebody would say, you know, I, I think it's an outside room. And then Tom had been to Cuba and had this amazing image in his mind of this lattice work, you know, so, and then, you know, then it became, well, what's behind the lattice work and, you know, is it a sunset? Is it, is it the woods? And that's how then we led into where the wild things are. So it was, it was just this, every time we talked, it was this really fun collaborative process. I, yeah, I, I, it started off much more conservatively than it ended up. It started off, you know, we were thinking because it was in the Hamptons, what examples of Hamptons of, of architecture in the, in the Hamptons um, is there that we can base this on? And, and one of the things we talked on early on is a house that, that Stanford White had worked on when he was, you know, with McKimmed and White. Uh, it's a house called the Orchards in Southampton, and it has these lattice rooms. And they're very beautiful, but they're, they're pretty conservative. And that's where we started. And then, as Margie said, the more we talked, it sort of began to sort of take in much more disparate elements, and it became this sort of much more of a fantasy than a serious room about, you know, kind of a porch. It was a, it was a fantasy version of a porch rather than a literal version of a lattice porch that you might find in, in, um, in the Hamptons. I am so glad that you said that because it's, it's fun for me to have these conversations because I get to see, I don't, I haven't, you know, Margie was asking me if I'd been to the house and I, I haven't been there yet. And I like it that way because I get one image and then I get you to tell me the story about the space. Mia, who, for whom was this space designed? Who is the, who is the imaginary 
dweller of this space. It's it's not a living space, and that's what I love about this. Um, and I'll get into more on the on the specifics of it in a second. But who was the, who is this for? For whom it w- was it designed? Well, I mean, obviously, we had to consider the client who would, you know, who who, who is actually the owner of the house. But other than that, we were actually thinking about Max from the where the wild things are. And it's, it's, it's kind of like space that you might be able to see him <laughs> in a glimpse or in, in shadow. And it was this sort of collaboration of um, like what, you know, Tom and Margie said, we just had this like wild running of ideas and like all of a sudden, like, you know, we are thinking about the books and all of us really love the book. And, and like we had like a very sophisticated wallpaper scenery to hand painted kind of like a rustic and more like crafty looking canvas um, mural. And, and then like we were like, oh, should we just add colors and should we add other like elements? What else can we add? And we ended up not using it, but we actually had um, this sort of like frames of dog <laughs> that was in like briefly appeared in the book but at the end we kind of decided not to add because it was getting too literal but it was sort of like this room that people could take a break from like when you walk through the show house every room you know like everyone trying to like present what they want the room to be and it's sort of like in design world is typical us, we are like sort of architects and interior designers together. And we often start from this concept, like how the space should be. And it was actually really, really interesting um, opportunity to do this like sort of fantasy room that you could kind of take a break from real life, but it's still like very usable and it's, you know, enjoyable to be in. You know, I I think, oh, I'm sorry, Mia. No, no, I'm, I'm done. I I guess um, I'm gonna turn off my inner, my email so it doesn't make all that noise. I'm sorry. I I would say also that, that it's a room. It's an it's a room for an adult. You know, we really thought about a place where um, you might go spend some time um, uh, in a sort of indoor outdoor room. But it's also a room for the child and all of us. It's you know it's based on a children's book. And I think once we did that, it kind of unmoored us from having to be too serious. So there's one piece of furniture in it. And if you sit on it, you can't have a conversation with someone else because they're facing away from you. And there's a tree that's too big. And there's lights that are, one light looks like the sun, another light looks, lights look like plants. So, and then when you, you know, it's a serious trellis, yet it's sort of framing a mural from a child's book, Where the Wild Things Are. It was literally painted by a company that's been authorized by the Maurice Sendak uh, Foundation to do these kinds of things. So just like, it, you know, it was Max's bedroom. It's, it, the idea was it was Max's bedroom before it was a, really a forest and after it was really a bedroom. So it was in between. So I think it's in between fantasy and reality, in between childhood and grownups, um, a serious room and a fun room. And um, I think that's what sort of took us away. So, and I have been told that designers have used it to meditate, like when they they take a little break and sit there and meditate. 
tape in that room. So it's a good use for I, it. I just heard a podcast yesterday about how important it is if you, to be in the woods. And if you can't be in the woods, go sit under a tree. And we brought the tree. We brought the tree in <laughs> you, until you it did. died. We had to get another tree. The first tree didn't make it, Josh. I'm sorry for your tree. <laughs> it is sad, especially after after having listened to what you would just what you just said. Your room makes me happy because I when I when I look at new spaces in a design house, there's a couple of expectations. You expect aspirational, right? Because that's almost one of the natural expectations from a design house or a show house is you say, okay, it's got to be aspirational. It's, it's got to be something unique. It's got to be something different. It's got to be something that people would want. And when the picture, when the image popped up, and by the way, I get that this is a podcast and you can't see anything that we're talking about. But what I'd like to encourage you to do is if you're listening to this, go to the show notes and you can click on the images uh, for Gallery Magazine and you will see the pictures and you can go look at the octagonal salon. When I first clicked on the image, I just sort of sat back. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Then I, then I stopped. I'm, I'm looking into my computer and I'm looking at everything. And I was, I was looking at the at the mural and I was looking at this intricate woodwork and I'm looking at the benches and I'm looking at the biophilia and the, and the tree in the center of it. And it, was, it, it, took me, it took me a couple of minutes to realize that there are sconces on the wall, that that wasn't actually living part of the tree. And it's that, it's that discovery that I, I think makes show houses so special. So from that standpoint, I kind of wanted to back up a minute and ask you about the creative process and the ideating, because I, I'm trying to imagine you get a room and it's, you say, okay, it's not completely functional. It's not a square. It's not rectangular. It's going to be a very big challenge to try to come up with something that makes this as special as we want to be as we want it to be where do you start and how does the team ideate something like this and i you know what i will you're all it's so funny we're all doing the brady bunch where everyone's looking at each other so um <laughs> mia i'm going to start with you i i think it was pretty obvious that we wanted this room to be um sort of like indoor outdoor like a garden room and I think the shape of the room and height of the room played the big part for us to make the decision pretty easily because it was not a big room. And like to, to make it kind of functional, like we couldn't really think of anything else other than a garden room because you can really fit only very small, like, like or like one or two pieces of furniture if it's anything. And so... It, we focused more on architecture, uh, architecture side of the room, and uh, and because and also it actually had this like really interesting round windows above, like it was like on the high um, on on top, and we end up sort of like mirroring these three windows by adding like you know three more, so each wall has uh, these like round windows on top, and. 
And I think that the room shape kind of dictated that. So it was pretty easy decision for us to um, start with that idea. Margie? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was like Mia said that the shape of the room really drove a lot of it. And it, I mean, people have told us, they, like we'll say we did the octagonal, the octagonal room upstairs and they'll say, oh, the birdcage. So that was an unintended consequence, but because of this really tall height and the lattice, I don't know if you can tell from the photos you had seen, but it goes all the way up onto the ceiling and, you know, it goes, it goes on the angle part of the ceiling and the flat part of the ceiling. So, you know, in essence, it is a birdcage that you, you become, you know, you're inside of it. And so, um, you know, I think that, I think that it, you know, when we decided it was an outside room, it did free us from these programmatic rules about what furniture has to be in there and it could be anything, you know, and it, and it became a birdcage. I want to, I want to actually sort of drill down a little bit on the concept of the birdcage, because what's interesting is you have the lattice work, which ties into the windows, but the windows themselves, the bottom panes are completely open. So you, was it, Tom, was it ever a concern that, if the windows weren't like that, or did you think about maybe it would look like a cage from within? Was that, was that even a thought or an idea that you guys had discussed in advance? Uh, for me, it was a bit of a fear. Yeah. Um, because the thing about the room is, um, you know, it's in some ways it's like a bullet or like a uh, space capsule, the shape of it. And um, there's actually, it, so it's in some ways very simple. On the other hand, we've crammed a lot in there. You know, I think that it's, there's a mural. You know, when we first put the mural up, I was at a dinner party with a bunch of people from the design world, interior designers and others like that. And, and in fact, Jackie Terrebonne was there. And I showed them a picture of it when it was just a mural. And they said, oh my God, look at that. And I said, yes, yeah, so we're putting lattice over it. They go, what? You're, you're gonna ruin, like, what are you doing? Leave it alone. And then I showed it an inspiration photograph uh, from this beautiful space in, in Havana, Cuba. And they're like, whoa. But, you know, this, that, this, they, that's incredible. In a way, there's almost too many ideas. Um, and I think all of us were a little nervous about it. But I think what it's ended up leading to is this sort of very rich, you know, you can read it in many different ways. And one of them is that you're on a gazebo, you're on a beautiful porch and you're looking at landscape. The other is that you're trapped in a cage. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of readings that we, um, there's a lot of ways to read this, to read the space. I wanted to ask too about, so you've got the mural in the lattice, which is really interesting to me because oftentimes, you know, muralists are artists and you're saying, okay, so, so paint this beautiful mural. Hey, by the way, we're gonna cover it in lattice. Is that a conversation that you have beforehand and do you share the vision or is it one of those things where, you know, look, I, I've seen all different ways to have the creative conversation, right? Is it done that way? Or do you say, okay, so this is what we're doing as creators. You just kind of have to have to trust us here with this. Who has that conversation with the muralist? We didn't, we didn't have the conversation, honestly. And it's funny um, Margie, me, I, I, I sent Michael, the guy who painted guy is a guy named Michael Hagen, who's a friend of mine, um, who does these murals. And originally he was going to come down to the opening. And I, um, at one point I finally sent him a picture with a lattice over it. 
And he's, his response was, well, have a good time at the opening. So I, <laughs> I'm not sure he was too happy about it. I think he was surprised. I think we probably let him know just enough to keep him interested, but not so much about it that he wouldn't want to do the project. You might have a little trouble getting Michael to do projects for you again in the future. I'm just... I'm just saying. I, I'm hoping our, my friendship with him is strong enough to, to carry us through this. <laughs> Margie, where does where does that where does that line? Where is that line? You know, because it's really interesting. As creatives, you you ideate, you envision, you craft, you create, and you're working with so many different partners. And I, I wanted to explore this idea too because my next sort of entry was no room in a show house is an island. You have to work cooperatively and creatively with your neighbors as well. So it doesn't look like a hodgepodge. It's amazing to me. I think part of the the process is the influence that designers and creators have on each other as they're doing the same project. And I'm curious how that affected your team and if there was any of that in the, in the final result. Well, you know, there I know there are the, the lower floor in the in the um, show house. I just learned one of the designers, Billy Cotton, had a vision, and he told everybody, "This is what it is." That we're having it's a Southwest vision. I just learned this in a tour, so I'm, I'm you know speaking hearsay here, but you know that he had a vision for the Southwest, and and the designers all got on board and collaborated. I think with colors and things like that. We didn't do that in our upper suite, but I think somehow it magically came together and looks very like it, it looks like a place you could live. Um, the, all of the, the three spaces up there, the master bedroom, the um, bathroom and hallway connecting to our space. Um, I, I feel like it's a it feels like a place that you could live. It really works well. And interestingly, I noticed that the, the baseboard that we designed for our room actually became the baseboard for the entire rest of the house which was really nice surprise that, you know, it, it, this, this sort of thread continued throughout the rest of the house. Um, and one sort of magical thing that happened was in Josh's closet, the millwork, he painted this plum color, which happened to be the same plum color that we painted the windows. And that was total happenstance. So there must've been something in the air and in that area. That, I, yeah. Um, I think it was karmic in a way because the purple. Then the other thing is that, Josh selected wallpaper, hand-painted wallpaper that was a woodland scene. And so you come down this woodland pathway past the master bedroom and the bathroom rather mm -hmm. and the dressing room and all these leaves on the wall suddenly give way to our gazebo, which has leaves and palm trees and stuff. So, you know, it was a well, you, on you that note, um, Richard's room also had all the David Hockney's, which were all woodland. So there was a real woodland theme happening up there. Yeah, I think and we didn't we never really coordinated, but it must have been in the air. It must have been karmic because it all does flow. You're listening to Curated Chill. We'll be back in just a minute. I am constantly in awe by the resources available to the design trade. One of the best and most iconic, the A&D building in New York. If you are in the business, you already know the A&D building is New York's best resource for kitchens, baths and fine furnishings. Featuring the city's largest selection of kitchen, bath, appliances, cabinetry, tile flooring, carpeting, shading technology, lighting, and contract furniture. Where luxury design defies expectations. 
How do they do that? By housing a collection of the world's most elite design brands in 40 showrooms. Explore and be inspired. The A&D building is where the world's best designers go, and they're open to the public. World-class creatives know where to get world-class design products. Find your bliss and the showrooms that can show you how to get it at New York's crown jewel of design, the A&D building. For additional information, find them online, adbuilding.com, and in the real world at 150 East 58th Street, New York City. Thanks for listening. Now back to Curated Chill. What were the challenges for your team, Mia, when, when you look at a space like this, you know, obviously you're throwing out some very, very creative ideas. You're, you have to deal with trees, both living and dead. Where, (laughs) I got the look from Tom, where is the, you know, where are the challenges aside from the ones that, that we've, we've already sort of talked about, were there any, there are always surprises in show houses. Where were the surprises? Where were the challenges both seen and unforeseen? Well, I mean, I mean, first challenge was that uh, we had to design the whole thing without really seeing the room <laughs> or being in the room. And I was I actually picked all the colors um, by just one mirror that Tom brought back to show me. So I just picked the colors for um, everything else. And and then, but like we are so used to doing things this way. So still like I wasn't really worried about it. But um, the real challenge was the, the bringing this tree <laughs> into the room. And it turned out that the first tree actually didn't make it. So we had to get second tree. And just like just after uh, we started the show, we actually had to change to third tree. The tree is just not living in this room. Um, maybe it's like too sunny and it doesn't have temperature control. I don't know. But it's not really thriving in there so that was sort of the challenge because every time they bring in chairs like everything else had to be leaving the room and have to come back (laughs) and then when we actually put the tree we are like oh the room looks kind of bare we probably need to add more so you know elizabeth who happened to be um in in hamptons she had to go to nurseries and just grab everything she could grasses, small plants, and then just throw it in the room to make sense of it. So, but again, like that's something we always do last minute, you know, adjusting, editing, and we are used to it. So we are able to pull it off. But I think the tree was really the big concern we had. It's interesting when um, Lisa Cohen first saw the space, Elizabeth was there and she walked in, she said, this tree is just way too big. And you need to start pruning right away because you can't see anything. And we were like, that's ridiculous. That, Lisa Cohen may be the owner of the house, but she's not our. She's not going to design our space for us, frankly. We're just going to ignore her. Then the tree, so I guess the tree must have somehow agreed with Lisa because it began dying back. <laughs> and then we pulled it out and we put in a much, much smaller tree. And now you can actually see the room. So I guess Lisa was vindicated. The smaller tree, I think, actually is better, although I haven't been in the space personally with a smaller tree. But it is nice when I see a lot of people have posted the tree online. It's kind of amazing. Um, And from what I can see, a lot of people videoed it. It actually does work better. And you can see the sort of sunburst uh, chandelier um, and our light fixtures, which they kind of remind me of a little shop of horrors. 
you look at them closely, they're kind of scary, the little sconces. But okay. um, the all smaller right. tree, what's that? I, all it's, right. I can I can see that a little bit. I can see that. They're kind of ready to grab you. In fact, if you walk too close to the wall, they do kind of attach to you. But the smaller tree was, is, is I think, is, is uh, it ended up in a good place. Well, it was funny. Just one more thing about the tree. The team told me that it was also a challenge for them for timing because they have all of this, you know, blue chip art that has to be hung on the wall. And the question is, when do you bring in the thousand pound tree before you hang all the artwork or after you hang all the artwork? But you wanted the tree to be in the last minute. So they were, you know, and now we've switched it out with all these things hanging. So I'm sure we've given them all gray hair, I think. Yeah. I can just see it now. Oh no, the IKB team, they're bringing in another tree, everyone. Take your art down. <laughs> well, the tree was hoisted out of the balcony and spent a couple of weeks on the balcony outside the master bedroom suite waiting to make its entrance. So, um, you know, so it's- Let me back up a second. When you prepare to participate in a show house, what do you need? What do you use? Do you approach this as a regular project or because it's not a regular project, do you still, do you get the, do you get all this, the measurements of the space? Do you still get the lighting plan that's currently existing? Do you, what do you do to prepare for a project like this? We really, you know, start from scratch. We sent somebody out to um, measure it. Um, what We had an intern Spurgeon here this summer who was great. He went out there, he measured it, he came back and did basically little construction documents of the room, the existing conditions. We looked at what we could work with and what we need to move around. As Mia mentioned earlier, you know, the windows on the, the upper part, the circular windows, they were only on half of the, the building. The rest was inside of an attic. So we you know, we looked at things like that, but to balance out the space, we created the faux windows that are mirrored, which actually is one of the most interesting things in the room because it, it reflects the tree and the, the lattice on the ceiling. So it's, it's a really neat thing, especially when you're looking at it with the other one that's showing the sky behind it. So a little bit of a, you know, brain teaser. Um, so we, you know, we moved the, we shifted over the doorway and, and that was so that we could center on the window when you enter the room. And that was something that we had to you know, agree with the designer on the room on the outside of that space. Um, so we made some changes and, you know, we, it was really stripped down to nothing. The room had these really terrible soffits in it for almost no apparent reason. Like I said, the, the round windows were only on half of it. The, I don't even know what the floor was. We just, you know, everything was, everything was new. So we stripped, stripped it down to the studs and, and rebuilt the space. So we were free in the sense of not having not having to work with what was there other than the, the basic structure and the windows that existed. Yeah, I would say that we approach this. I mean, the thing for anybody considering working on a show house is it's a real job. Things don't get cheaper because you're doing it for a show house. You know, molding still costs, and mold painting still costs, bringing the furniture and buying the furniture. So you, you approach it like a real project. And you, as Margie said, you do real as-built and you do real working drawings and there are shop drawings and there's schedules. So um, even though the room has a sort of a fantasy aspect to it, it's a real room that had to be really structured. In fact, there are over 300 compound miters in that lattice work. That's a very real thing. So um, these things are, aren't to be taken lightly. They're really fun because you are your own client. 
they're hard because you are your own client. In some ways, you're harder on yourself than a client might be. Um, but um, it's you have to. You're in for the long haul. You're in to do it well, and um, it is as real as any project is. And along those lines, I mean, just to put it in perspective, from your product partners, you mentioned Michael Hagen, uh, who did the murals. You've got T.L. Henry uh, for the, uh, what is that, the fiber seal fabric protection on the upholstery? No, no, cushion. They made a sick cushion for the bench. Okay, so, and then and then that's a, that's a Pierre Frey uh, upholstery. Um, you've mm-hmm. got Golden Teak, the bench. You've got uh, Carpentry Woodworking um, and Tree Source by Landscape Details. Three trees, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Woodmeister Master Builders uh, for the millwork. You've got the pendant um, is Kelly Wurstler for circle lighting. Julie Neal for visual comfort did the, scon- uh, it did the sconces. Um, the paint lab did the coloring. That is a lot of partners. And I wanted to talk to you about the paint because you have such a unique partner in the paint lab. Did you take advantage of any of the the you know inclusion of metals or any type of... of um, uh, finishing, how did, did you, were you able to have fun with the paint as well? So um, not really, but um, I mean, we definitely wanted to use their lack of finish. So we started with that, but it turned out that our um, mirror worker, Woodmeister, they, they were spray painting the letters before they bring it to the uh, house. So um, we just needed a lot of paint. <laughs> and so I actually had to beg them to ship another like eight gallons after I ordered three gallons just for the letters work. And then, you know, like they, but they were, they were great to work with. They were able to match Benjamin Moore colors because their palettes were somewhat limited because they're specialized paint, but they were able to match any colors. Um, so, but I, I, we couldn't really, um, take advantage of their specialty, which is like lacquer and like a metal finish. But, um, but it was, it, it worked out really nice and the paint colors were great. And they also, what's, what's amazing I think about their paints is they figured out a way to do paint that's non-yellowing. When I was in there one day when one of the guys from Paint Lab came and he said, I've, I just came to see this room because, you know, first of all, we, you know, we supplied more paint for this room than in any other room in the house. But secondly, because it's this white and we know that this white won't ever yellow, which is just an amazing thing to hear from a design point of view, to be able to pick something that is, that's going to stay the color you intended to be. In fact, yeah. I happen to have right here for your viewers, this is a mock-up of the lattice, happens to be on the floor next to me. But uh, I thought Paint Lab was excellent. And the green of the bench is this incredible color. Um, it was really I've been very, what's that? Well, I was super impressed with their finishes like throughout the house the the I mean the variety of the finishes that they can pull off and I and we've went through a little lecture with them and and they do a very scientific approach to paint and I like Mia said we were really drawn to this lacquer because it's not an actual lacquer that is super labor intensive that takes all these layers over and over and it's a high gloss paint that is really really looks like a lacquer Um, And that was just one example. I mean, there were rooms that had the metals mixed in or they looked like suede. Um, And and it was funny because that was one vendor that 
as we were, you know, talking to all these designers, everyone said they never, I never heard of Paint Lab before, but everyone universally was really impressed with them. So, you know, I think it was probably good for them to do this show house because they, they launched themselves onto our market for sure. It's interesting doing a show house. You mentioned all the different rooms, you know, it brings out the best and the worst in you. Because on the one hand, you think, wow, this is amazing. Look at all these people I've known and admired for years, and some of whom I know, some of whom I met finally. And on the one hand, you're really inspired by working with them. On the other hand, every time you walk into the next room, you go, oh, my God, I don't know if my room is good enough. Good answer is, oh, my God, is our room good enough? And But it really, uh, maybe it's the competitiveness in, in us, but I think um, I think we did a better job because we are in such good company. And um, I, so that's one of the things besides this sort of what we talked about before about a show us, which is it's a lot of work. It's, it's really like being on an amazing basketball team where everybody on the team is Michael Jordan. And it just makes for an incredible energy in these buildings when you walk through and yes, the room, some match, some don't, but you walk away thinking this is just, this is like, going to the most incredible dinner you've ever been to. And every course is fantastic. And somehow, even though some of it's Chinese and some of it's Greek and some of it's French, you've had the most incredible meal and you walk away really satisfied. It's funny that you say that because Tom, I will tell you over the, the years of, of doing this as a, as a journalist and a contributing editor, I have learned that when it, when it comes to design, I, I generally leave my sports metaphors out of it. <laughs> they, they tend to fall flat, but your point is really well taken. And it's, it's actually the perfect analogy. A show house is supposed to be an all-star team. If you think about every competitive all-star team in any sport or any discipline, right? It's a team. It's an individual sport within a team concept. And I feel like show houses are very much that and and sort of I want to leave it with this and get your get your take on this because I we started out with the idea that your space is both inspirational and aspirational I, I believe that it's that's how that that was what my initial reaction was and I I want to get your take on the the idea behind a show house because to your point when you have a house filled with this level of talent all working on their own concepts and putting into practice their own skill sets. What do you learn from that? What do you take away from that? Um, you know, for everything from, oh, I could build that into our next project or something like that into our next project to, wow, this designer has an amazing edit. They, they, they do more with negative space than I've ever done, something to inspire me in the future. What inspires you after a show house like this. Mia, I'll start with you, then Margie, then Tom. So, I mean, it's obviously, you know, a great chance to see what other people are doing in your profession. And I really enjoyed it because there were like so many nooks and cr crannies that you, like, you don't, like, you cannot really overlook because they really put so much effort and um, thought into it. So every corner, every, like, little space was made into this special room. And, and also like made you think about something that you would never do. Like, you know, it's because we all have different styles, maybe different preference, but um, I was actually getting a lot of ideas just 
walking through these, um, the show house because like there was like this little vestibule that had beautiful um, mirrors or like plaster on the ceiling. It was like very small, but I was like, oh my God, that's what I need for this one project I'm working on because I've been sort of debating what to do on the, on the ceiling. And the client really was set on this huge like bold stripes. And this image that I saw was just like really soft and just like a very sophisticated combination of colors. And I'm like, that's it. And so I was just getting so many, um, you know, inspirations from other people's work. And sometimes it's really just down to actual materials they're using. It's the plaster they use on the floor or the bathroom wall, or it could be just this like wood panels they use. And Tom pointed out that, oh, you could just buy it from some Brazilian company. And I've been making it. <laughs> I never knew that you could just buy it. So you just learn. And it's just like all in this one small space. You just get to see so many different elements. And then, you know, it's like you get to learn so many things in such a short time. So that was actually really good, um, like, you know, experience for me. Um, for me, I think I've been a, to the house a number of times. And one thing I really like about it is that every single time I go, I see something that I didn't notice before. And, you know, that every so much thought has gone into these rooms and details that I'll enter a room and, and literally every single time I see something that I didn't see before. And um, I think in terms of something that I can take away from it was, you know, that, that a lot of these spaces are really imaginative and really playful. And, you know, maybe even the, the designer created some kind of a theme that they were inspired by, like we did with Where the Wild Things Are. The, the dining room was an artist salon. You know, they imagined that artists would, would come there. And so there's a real art theme there. Um, so I like, you know, that idea, like bringing that into our work, you know, that it's not just it's not just a flat program of this is a dining room, this is a living room. That fact that you know, that our work could be more playful and, and you know, sometimes wild and imaginative, um, no matter what it is. And, and in fact, I sent um, our, one of our current clients just a link to the show house saying, you know, this is what we've been up to. And her response was, you know, oh, maybe we could have a tree in the tower, you know, like, but it would never occur to me to pitch putting a tree in the tower, you know, so I don't know, it's just a little bit of an awakening to me that all these designers got really thoughtful and creative in every inch of the room. And, you know, not that, not that we're not always thoughtful and creative, but that, you know, just to, to push the element a little bit and be very playful, um, I think is something nice to take into to the everyday work. I guess I, you know, it is like going to a great art museum in a way and, you know, looking at things and where you're going to get inspired. And there is literally something, in, there's at least one thing in every single room there that I know I'm going to use. And I worry, are they going to go, oh, Tom got that from me at the show house. <laughs> and I make myself feel better by saying, I'll be wondering when I see a trellis in somebody's house, you know, did they get that from, from us? So um, maybe we're all watching each other and seeing how this will play out. It'll be interesting to see if we get caught snitching some ideas. And I'm sure we'll be looking at other people to see what they borrowed from us. But I think the bottom line is all of us got a little better by participating. 
And um, I think we all helped each other kind of elevate a little bit. At least that's my hope. I think it was good for everybody. Um, you know, what's good for one is good for all. Uh, it was. It, it's, it's just been a great experience. And I'm just sorry that it's going to be taken apart in a few weeks. Yeah. But at the same time, I do believe that design houses, show houses, I think show houses live forever, you know, because they're so they're so well covered. And I think that this is no exception. Uh, thank you for for taking the time, Mia, Margie, Tom. Um, thank you very much for doing this and, and to your whole team. Well, well done. Beautiful space. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is Curated Chill, the Aspire Design and Home podcast. This episode featured designers from Ike Kligerman Barkley and their work on the Octagonal Salon in the Gallery House of Art and Design in Sag Harbor, New York. Special thanks to our guests, Margie Lavender, Mia Young, and Thomas Kligerman. And while she couldn't join us, she was there in spirit, Elizabeth Sesser from Ike Kligerman Barkley. Thank you to our partners and Curated Chill sponsors. Most importantly, thank you for taking the time to enjoy Aspire Design and Home. Thank you for listening to the show and loving Sublime Design the way we do. Until next time, come back to chill. <laughs>